This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Academy Show. I'm your host Mo Stewart and I'm joined once again by Matt Addison and the under-23s haven't had a fixture since our last show, but plenty of the young guns have seen some action with the senior boys, including four academy graduates starting Liverpool's last game in the League Cup. So at, c- coming to the end of a year like 2021, where so many of them have made a significant impact, it feels like a good time to look forward over the next year and to see who are the big prospects in 2022. Now, Matt, to make this a bit easier, you've kind of broken them down into almost a three-tier structure, just just so we can kind of have a more realistic understanding of what we can expect from these boys. Yeah, I think it's it's fair to put them into to three kind of brackets, if you like. So there's the kind of obvious ones that, that we'll go through first. So obviously most people will kind of have know those names, they'll have, have heard of them and, and kind of know a little bit about them. Similar with the second category, um, but just sort of, I've called it a big year awaits in terms of kind of a decision for them one way or the other. Uh, we'll kind of know a little bit more about where they stand. Obviously, we've seen a little bit of them so far, but maybe the next step hasn't quite happened yet. It's it's just a case of, of will that happen this year or, or perhaps if it doesn't, will there be a move somewhere else? And then just at the final category, um, stepping up into to people's consciousness really for, for the first time, people... Maybe we'll, uh, we'll maybe have not heard of, of a couple of those names, but I think it's fair to say over the next few months they'll probably become a little bit more familiar. So yeah, hopefully uh, a little bit of insight at the end in terms of ones to watch for for next year, but also you know a little bit at the start in terms of the ones that were already starting to, to see a little bit of at first team level or in the youth league or wherever it might be, but certainly the ones that have, have made a, a bit more of an impact so far. So basically the third group's for the people you, when you want to really sound important and sound like you're really knowledgeable in the club and you want to say, oh yeah, I was talking about this fellow months ago. That's the last section. But we're going to start a little bit easier, like you say, the guys who we all know a little bit about, the guys who've made the biggest impact so far. And I guess in that respect, the person to start with is Tyler Morton, who's had not only an impact on his youth team, but has really had an impact on the first team, particularly at a time when the midfield ranks have been quite short. Now, he's had a baptism of fire, and it's fair to say it hasn't always gone his way. But I think when you look over his performances in recent weeks, he can gain so much confidence, not only from the trust of the manager, but from how he was able to live with those players. Yeah, it's it's a steep learning curve, isn't it? Being thrown in against the two teams that he's played against, particularly Tottenham, I thought was was a really difficult game to, to come into. The way that Liverpool set up, it was basically just as if Fabinho was there and, and they just expected that he could do, you know, a similar sort of job. So I think it's fair to say he looked at a little bit lost against Spurs, against Leicester. Clearly, you know, again, he's he's not quite there yet in terms of, of the intensity. And there was the the, the poor tackle, which I think uh, was slightly yeah. fortunate to, to escape a, a red card, to be honest. But I think that there's clearly a top talent in there. I think we've seen certainly on the ball at first team level that he can spray those passes. He can play the, the balls that you want him to do. Technically, he's very, very good. I think there's still a little bit of work to do off the ball. But for me, and, and I won't stop banging this drum, I think he's much better further forward. I don't think he's a number six. I think that's that's fundamentally why he's finding it so hard because it's not really a position, certainly for the last 18 months that he's played, it's certainly not a position he's ever played at that level before. And then when you throw in the fact that it was kind of Harry Kane and Hume Son who 
you know, combined scored, what, 40-odd goals last season, assisting each other. You think of, of the speed and, and the quality of the, the counter-attacks that Tottenham have got. Leicester, maybe not quite so good, but still, you know, at a really good level. Someone like a James Madison being in those kind of spaces, I think, is is a really difficult one to, to kind of, of assess, you know, how good a player he is in. Yeah. Obviously, we've seen him, seen him against Milan and, and a couple of other games as well, where he's looked very good on the ball. But yeah, for me, I think because he is so technically gifted and, and so intelligent in the way that he passes, mm. for me, he's just better further forward. If you can get him closer to the goal, the evidence is there that he will score and, and will assist. And that's the conundrum for him, really, isn't it? Because he really came into that game, that position through necessity. Uh, if you think back to the Norwich game, uh, the the uh, EFL um, Cup game, the League Cup game, sorry, against Norwich, um, Curtis Jones started in that position and didn't really do well. And Tyler came on and almost kind of elevated the play by being better than Curtis. So being better than Curtis for those 45 minutes seems to have created a kind of a problem for himself where that seems to be where he's painted, at least at senior level. So maybe in his respects, coming back down to a level and being able to play in his more natural position might actually help him a little bit. So so he's not able to take on so much new information at once. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's, it, it is a, a difficult situation that he finds himself in. I think it's a difficult situation in terms of, of any player coming into the team to play in that defensive midfield role because it's so physical, but also because it's basically the job of, of two midfielders. What Jurgen Klopp asks is just a, a crazy amount from, from that number six. So we've seen other players struggle there. We've seen Milner struggle there before. We've seen Jordan Henderson at times struggle there. So, yeah. Tyler Morton's clearly a great talent and it's far too early to be judging him at this stage. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think we're going to see more opportunities for him. And like you say, hopefully he'll be able to show a little bit more of what he's capable of without being so exposed to the things he's still yet to develop. Which brings me nicely onto Connor Bradley, who also featured in that Leicester game and also had some struggles, I think it's fair to say. When you again we look at the forward line in the in that game, Jamie Vardy is one of the most streetwise guys out there. And it didn't take him very long to realise that that left hand, the right hand side of Liverpool's defence was the place to attack. And most of their good work in the first half came from there. Now, I feel like to a certain extent, having Nico ahead of him, also in a slightly unfamiliar forward position, probably didn't do him any favours. But it's one of those decisions that Jurgen Klopp felt he had to make bearing in mind some of the other players who were being arrested. But do you think that's fair that maybe if he'd have had uh, a more established forward, not necessarily just Mo Salah, because everybody plays better with Mo Salah, but a more established forward ahead of him, it might have made his job a lot easier. Yeah, I think so. He's he's a really difficult one because last summer it was kind of talked up that if Nico Williams moved on, then he would be the, the player basically to be Trent's backup. And I said at the time, he looks incredibly raw. He's nowhere near that level just yet. I think that was you know slightly misplaced, that confidence. And it reminded me actually of the year before um, or it was the year before, wasn't it, where Billy Cometio stepped up into to first team pre-season, was being talked about a lot, but then goes back to, to the under-23s and didn't maybe have the best season in the world. So I just think it was a little bit too early. Liverpool trying to, to cut a, a bit of a corner there. They obviously don't want to keep players like Nico if they want to move on, but it just seemed a little bit early for me. And I still think that is the case. I think that's what we saw against Leicester was just, it was a little bit inexperienced. It was a little bit raw. He looked like he was kind of looking to Jordan Henderson to say, 
yeah. am I doing this right? What what do I do next type thing? He, he didn't really want to to make the difficult pass. He didn't want to give it away, which is understandable because, you know, he's not 19 until July. He's still, as I say, very, very young. The only thing that, that kind of made me think that if Nico did move on, he could be the, the backup was kind of, you've got James Milner there. If you need him, you could always put him in at right back. But I mean, that that's not really Connor Bradley being the backup, is it? That's James Milner being the backup and, and Connor Bradley yeah. kind of being there. So I think it's, it's a big year for him in terms of working out what comes next. I think there's a good chance that, that Nico Williams will move on. I don't think it'll be in January. I think it probably will be in the summer. I think there'll be a lot of players in that boat though, where, they want to play at the World Cup. They know that if they're going to play at the World Cup, they're going to have to be playing regularly for the club. I think there's a there's a good chance that Nico will go somewhere because you know he could go to a lot of, of Premier League teams and, and play week in, week out. But yeah, for me, Liverpool have a big decision if that is the case. I think they have to bring somebody in because for me, as, as good as he is, Conor Bradley, I think he's still probably two or three years away from being streetwise enough and, and clever enough to come in and, and play at senior level. And this is a really big consideration when we're thinking about all of these guys in terms of progressing to the next level. It's all about who is there in front of them, who are, where are the spaces in the first team, and particularly, like you say, for backups. Nico, it's a difficult situation because your heart and your head would say that he should still be able to make a well squad while playing maybe five, ten games a season for Liverpool. But when literally your international manager is telling you to move, then that maybe says something about it itself. <laughs> so we can see how that situation goes. But we're talking about well, both Kai Gordon and Oakley Cannoneer, who are two young forwards who have both been spoken about in and around the first team. Obviously, Kai Gordon was on the bench for Leicester, has seen some first team action. But there's a little bit more uncertainty higher up the senior ranks in terms of the forward line. And when we've seen, obviously, earlier on in the season, Harvey Elliott, who is maybe a hybrid between working within the midfield and the forward. How much of that do you think is going to play a part in how quickly some of these other young guys are able to progress? Yeah, there's there's so many in that position. I mean, Kate Gordon, I think, probably is a, a significant part of the reason why Harvey Elliott has been moved into to a midfield role. I think I can certainly see him coming in and, and being a player long-term who plays on that right-hand side, obviously. There's, there's still Mohamed Salah, hopefully, for a good few seasons yet. But obviously, looking forward, he's not going to be able to play every game at, at 35, 36, about that kind of time. I think Kate Gordon will, will be pretty much ready to, to come in and, and play. So, look, there's there's a long way to go with him. I don't want to put too much pressure on his shoulders, but he is a very, very talented player, very highly thought of. Um, not necessarily been getting the goals this season. It's only two goals, two assists, I think, so far um, in this season. But... At the same time, you know, he's he's had lots of, of experiences that he probably wouldn't have had otherwise. He's played, I think, in, in the youth league. He's played for Liverpool's first team in the Carabao Cup. Couldn't play in the Champions League. Probably would have done, but wasn't eligible because he wasn't on the, the right squad list. Um, but I think moving forwards, we're just going to see more and more and more of him. Um, and I think there's, there's a few players kind of in that category of they could step up and, and become senior players. But I think he is the one that you'd look at and think is certainly by far and away for me the, the most likely one to do that. Bobby Clark is, is one that I wanted to mention as well. Obviously, similar kind of player, brought in at a similar age, very highly thought of at Newcastle where Liverpool got him from. But again, it's, it's just slightly behind Cade Gordon in terms of, of his development. 
it's still you know very early for both of them it, it would only take a good sort of six months and maybe even he could find himself in sort of senior pre-season for for the summer you know you, you just don't know it at this kind of age how quickly they're going to develop but I think for me Cade Gordon is the one Oakley Cannonier you mentioned as well is is a really interesting one scored 59 uh, scored a goal every 59 minutes I should say um in the the league this season which is is just crazy but again the big caveat we have seen a lot of players do that at under 18s level and not be able to go up to the 23s and do it or then not be able to go up and, and play at senior level and, and do a similar thing so look he's he's a very clinical player but with all of these sort of forward young attacking options they've got all of the the bits that they need it's a case of can they tie them all together and then can they take that next step and i think for me, what I've seen so far, and obviously what Jurgen Klopp has seen so far, I think Cade Gordon would be the most likely one, but not necessarily the only one. I think that's a fair assessment. I think with Gordon, for me, I think we look at the Norwich game as being the high watermark, the point where he kind of burst onto the scene. He's not really had a massive amount of games since then, as you mentioned. I think as outside the UEFA Youth League, I think he's only really played three or four games. So, between now and at least the end of this season, I expect to see more opportunity for him to get that in. And I think with all these players, when you're at this level, the more games you play, the more you get into the stride, particularly for those like Bobby Clark, who's just getting used to being at Liverpool after his situation in Newcastle. He was highly touted, but also his dad was Lee Clark. So, I mean, I don't know how much credit that would have bought him within the building, but he's coming to Liverpool, obviously starting from scratch here. But... By all accounts, he seems to have made a good impression. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, mean, the, the early sort of games that he had, he, he scored straight away. He seemed to, to fit into the team. I think he's a, a really interesting one in that he is another one of these players that can play in all of the front three positions, which I think is obviously a huge thing for, for Liverpool moving forward. If he was to come into the first team, you, you'd need to be able to, to slot into to any one of those roles because, like we said with Tyler before, obviously Tyler Morton's come in and, and played a role that he's not particularly familiar with, but he's taken that opportunity and got three or four opportunities off the back of that. I think for, for Bobby Clark, he's mainly played off the left-hand side but he can play through the middle, he can play on the right, he can play slightly deeper in a midfield role. We've seen that with you know so many of, of these players, even someone like Emil Camo Frauendorf, that we're, I don't think we're going to have time to, to speak about him, but he's another one that's kind of played in, in midfield this year, normally sort of played out wide in, in previous seasons. So, yeah, it, it's it's all about having that versatility, isn't it, for, for a Jurgen Klopp team. So I think there's, there's a good few players who, if a chance came up in, in one position, they'd fancy mm -hmm. themselves to, to take that. I think you're right. And every time one other player does it, it becomes even more hunger throughout the rest of the squad to do it, I think. That's one of the things you love about youth football is, is that everybody's kind of looking to each other to try and get that little bit more impetus, a little bit more hope and drive. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So let's talk about the players that you've put into tier two. Now, these are the ones who have already had a little bit of a taste of, of, of either first team action or some highly touted for the future, but then perhaps maybe not quite ready for the big step. Maybe, like you say, there's some decisions to make about some of these. And we'll start with a fellow who you mentioned previously, Billy Cometio, because he also did play against Leicester and he also like the other two, came off at half-time. 
we mentioned Jamie Vardy. I, I feel like he pulled a scene our team team lineup that night and felt it was his own Christmas present from Jurgen Klopp. But admittedly, obviously, the defence looked a lot more secure when Canate came on. I personally think, however, pairing Billy with the also rusty Joe Gomez would not have done the man any favours, particularly when you see some of the mistakes Gomez himself made in the game. I wonder whether or not if Cometio had had the opportunity to play alongside Canate, he may have been able to put a, a, a better show of himself. Possibly. I think that might be being slightly generous, to be honest. I think <laughs> having seen him a fair bit for, for the under-23s, he's never really stood out to me. And to be honest, on the evidence that, that, that I've seen, I'm not quite sure what Jurgen Klopp sees in him. I think mm. from, from what I've seen, he's he's not maybe at the level that, that what Klopp sees. Obviously, Klopp and, and Vito Matos and Pet Liners and all the rest, they see him a lot more. They see him you know, daily in, in training. They obviously have far more insight than I do in terms of this. But I just, I'm seeing the same mistakes really that I was seeing 12 months ago from him. I'm seeing poor decision making, switching off, not being able to, to concentrate really. I think we we saw that with the, the kind of high line. Obviously, the, the, the youth teams don't play in quite the same way as, as the first team in terms of being pushed all the way up the pitch. And, you know, Gomez was was pushing up and then a couple of the younger lads, Billy included, were, were dropping off and it, it just didn't quite look right. And like you say, yeah. you know, when you've got Jamie Vardy, even someone like Pat Sendaker is, is clever enough and and has the, the ability to, to punish those sort of, of mistakes. So I think it's, it's a big season ahead of, of him. Obviously, physically, he's always kind of been well ahead of his peers, decent on the ball, but doesn't always make the right decisions. I think there's there's got to be a next step for him. I wonder whether a loan might be something that he could do, but then even then, I think if you're a championship club, you may be a little bit worried. I was slightly worried about Sepp Vandenberg when he went out, to be fair, and, and he did um, settle pretty quickly and, and has done pretty well for, for Preston in the championship. But for me, Billy Cometio is, is not quite at, at the level of development that, that even Sepp was at when he first went out. So, It'd be a little bit of a risk. I'd be interested to know how many championship clubs would kind of take that gamble with him. But yeah, I'm not not quite convinced yet that he's ready for that. But at the same time, he kind of needs that to take the next step. I mean, maybe we could be looking at a League One team rather than a championship team. I mean, he's obviously still a young man and it's almost he's become hamstrung by the reputation with which he joined and kind of the way that they all kind of, you know, they were looking at him like he was some future colossus. When the reality is, is that it takes more than being that big to be a colossus. And he has some evidence in front of him now with not only Virgil van Dijk, but Ibrahim Kanate there showing you exactly what it is to be that way. I, I, I wonder with him whether it is a case of getting out of the Liverpool bubble, be aware of that reputation is clean so he can go and restart his career. Maybe somewhere where they're not going to offer him the same opportunities um, to recover if he makes those kind of concentration mistakes. Yeah, I think that could make sense. I think maybe maybe a League One or a League Two team even, it could be could be one of those where he drops down a little bit. I know obviously Jake Kane has, has gone out slightly lower than what most people would have, have probably expected this season. So it could be it could be something similar to, to that. So it'd be interesting. But I think, yeah, for me, is he's kind of at, at that stage now where in order to get these mistakes out of you, you've kind of got to go somewhere else and make them rather than, than make them for Liverpool. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's that's very much the case, isn't it? You've got to be able to learn on someone else's dollar. Now, speaking of someone who has a very high reputation, hasn't necessarily been able to live up to it so far. Let's talk about Mateusz Mazielowski. Now, the, the Polish magician, as he is often referred to, highly rated for quite some time. He's had his bumps within the team over the course of the last 12 months or so. Where do you feel he is now? And is he ready to maybe recover from some of those issues and push on in 2022? Yeah, I've been I've been impressed with him. I feel slightly harsh putting him in this category, to be honest. I think he's he is a good player. He is very much one of those that, that gets you off your seat. Not that there are many seats at the academy, but um, there are <laughs> you know lots of, of kind of, of moments where he will beat a man, he'll drop his shoulder and go on a dribble. I'm sure most people would have seen the, the goal last season, I think it was, against Newcastle, where he sort of dribbles around five players half the length of the pitch and then chips the ball into the goal. So that's that's kind of what he can do. It's just the case, as it always is with these attacking players, of can you do that consistently? Can you score enough goals? He scored more than Cade Gordon uh, this season, but obviously has played a lot more football at youth level. He's got four, I think, in, in 17 so far. Really good one, actually, in the, the UEFA Youth League, which helped Liverpool top the group. So that was was a good moment for him. But again, it's, it's kind of been moments rather than a sustained bit of form, which I think someone like Cade Gordon has kind of shown a consistent level. It's not really been one moment and then he drops off for a couple of games. It's It's been maybe seven, eight out of 10 every single week rather than, you know, a one moment and then, and then drops off again. So yeah, I think it's, it's one of those where he's probably a very good footballer that will make it somewhere. But I just think, is he as good as Cade Gordon? Probably not. He's slightly older than Bobby Clark, who's now come in. Malcolm Frandorf, I mentioned before, it's one of those where there's just so many players in each position. It can be quite hard to, to take that next step. But, you know, the, there's still that decision to be made. If he goes on a good run in the second half of the season, I'm sure, you know, that there'll be opportunities for him. But, yeah, it, it just feels to me like Cade Gordon is the one. And are you really going to get two or three that go through at the same time and, and progress? Probably not. Well, well, this is it. I mean, we are kind of bound by history and logic in this category because we have seen many, many times where players have looked fantastic. But like you say, the reality is we can only really expect two to three maximum of any class to come through. So when there are others who are clearly a level above, it does kind of tend to make your mind up. But one thing about Mazzuloski, I wonder when you talk about him having moments as opposed to having that level of consistency. I remember Curtis Jones getting the captain's armband and it helped him find that. Maybe that's something in there that they can think about, giving him an extra level of responsibility. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's he's a really nice lad. He's he's one of those that, that he's really settled in. I think he's been at, at Liverpool for about 18 months now. I think it was, was August 2020 when he arrived. So he's he's settled in. I think we probably have to give him a little bit of slack for that as well. The fact that he's come in during a pandemic, he's come in and, and not been able to sort of go back to, to his family in Poland for a long time. He had to, to stay here, obviously settle into to a new life. So yeah, again, like I said at the start, it's it's probably slightly harsh to, to put him in this category. He's still one of those that I would expect to, to go on and, and have a good season. He's still, you know, got a good chance of of getting chances uh, at first team level. But I think he's he's just kind of at that age now where it's a not a crossroads, but it's coming up to a crossroads. Let's yeah. put it that way. He's he's got to to take that next step probably within 
the next year, certainly, if not the, the next six months, if he was to, to be picked, for example, to, to go on first team preseason in the summer, I think that would be a big step forward for him. But I think there's uh, probably a little bit of a fight on his hands to, to get that opportunity. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens, but I wouldn't rule anything out with him, but it just feels to me like there's, there's Cade Gordon and then there's everyone else. He's maybe yeah. the best of the rest, but he's just not Cade Gordon. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. You talk about the crossroads. He's not quite there. He's seen signposts for the crossroads, but he's not quite there yet. You know, it's maybe got a few more miles down the road to go. The blood red podcast from the Liverpool echo. Now, Let's move on to one of the other players now. Someone who you mentioned in our last show, Stefan Becetic, the uh, Spanish-Serbian centre-back who we signed about a year ago now. Now, obviously, you mentioned last week, the last show, sorry, that you were excited about his future. As a centre-back, he's currently in the under-18s. Do you think it's going to be a case of him establishing himself at that level or do you see opportunities for him higher up? I think for for the rest of of this season, it's probably at that same sort of of level. Um, after that, it will depend on two things basically: one, how well he does for the rest of of this season. Obviously, he will have a say in that, but also what happens with those in front of him. I mean, we've seen Jarrell Quansar on the bench recently. Mm-hmm. Potentially, there could be a loan on the cards for him in the summer. If Billy Cometio takes our advice and, and goes out on loan somewhere, again, that's one less in front of him in the, the under-23s pecking order. So I think he's he's one of those where it will basically depend on what happens above him as much as anything else. I think you know the, there's kind of only so much that you can, can push. At, at some point, you've just got to get a little bit of, of luck. But look, he's a, another one who's who's been here less than 12 months. He's settled in well. He's starting to, to really put down some for performances. So... To be honest, even if he was you know, playing at under-18s level for another well, six, 12 months, it wouldn't be wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, I don't think, for his development. The, the main thing is just that he keeps playing and, and keeps playing well. I think that's fair as well. I think someone else you mentioned last week falls in a similar boat, uh, Marcello Pitalugo. Now, I think with him, like you mentioned, the loans or potential sales of some of the other goalkeepers, some of the other older goalkeepers, is definitely going to play a part in where he goes. But with Tafferel coming in, it does kind of make you think that he's at least going to be in and around the Liverpool squad rather than going out on loan. Yeah, I mean, like we we said on the last show, didn't we? It's it's so hard to assess him because he doesn't really play that much. He's played more this season than he has in previous seasons, but. Generally, what he does at, at Liverpool is is train with Alisson, John Akterberg, and obviously now, as you say, the the new Brazilian Tafarel who, who comes in with a huge, obviously, reputation. And I'm sure you know Pitaluga is is one of those who will look up to to him and be able to learn from him. So it's a, a difficult one. It's it, it's one we've spoken about a lot in terms of actually Phil Foden and when Curtis Jones was coming through, should Curtis Jones go out on loan or is he best to just train at Liverpool like Phil Foden did with Guardiola? Obviously, it depends kind of case by case, but possibly, you know, Pitaluga could be one of those where it's just a case of, of keeping him here and, and making sure that he improves and, and trains with the best and, and learns from the best. But yeah, th- th- there's a part of me that does wonder whether he has to go out on loan at some point, because I just mm-hmm. think, I know he's he's still very young. He's still got a long, long time to develop as a goalkeeper, but at some point you just want to be playing games. I think if you you sort of training for for five or six years and not really getting the opportunity to to show people what you can do. I think there's there's going to come a point when he will want to go out. It, it's just really a case of of when that point comes. 
I mean, it's really hard to tell when you want to kind of branch out and when exactly is the best time to to test yourself against those other kind of opponents, particularly in such a young man, particularly for someone who coming from a long way away and has familiar faces in in the fellow Brazilians and around the club, but eventually he will have to make that decision. Someone who did make that decision over the summer was Leighton Clarkson, who currently is out on loan uh, at Blackburn Rovers. And how would you assess how he's gone out there? He's not played an amazing amount of games. He's not been the kind of loan that we saw from Harley Everett, Harley, Harvey Elliott sorry, at Ewood Park last season. Easy for me to say. But again, him and in a similar boat is James Balagizzi, who's a Liverpool midfielder who hasn't gone out on loan. It's a tough school, as we've mentioned, in that midfield, trying to get exactly the qualities that Jurgen Klopp needs from his midfielders. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think with Leighton to, to come to him, obviously first, Blackburn have changed the way that they play a lot since Harvey Elliott was there. It's very much a case of back to front now where when Harvey was there, they had players like him. They had, you know, Bradley Dack was coming back in midfield. who's very good technically and on the ball, but they've lost a couple of, of their key players this season. And from people that, that I've spoken to, it's, you know, a very different Blackburn team now. It's basically the ball is just going over Leighton's head. He's not really getting the, the opportunity to get the ball down and play. He's just kind of looking up and, and seeing it being lumped from one end of the pitch to the other. So I think had he been there when Harvey Elliott was there, it would have been a really, really useful year to, to kind of see what he was all about. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it will do him some good in terms of the physical side of, of the championship, being able to step up, like what we said with Tyler Morton before. It is a big step into to the championship from playing regularly at under-23's level, but he's only played seven times this season. He's been on the bench more often than not. I do wonder whether there might be a little bit of, of frustration there in terms of, obviously, it looked like it was going to be the perfect club to go and, and take that next step. Ultimately, it probably hasn't proven to, to be the case. So probably a little bit of, of frustration for him. Still plenty of, of time left in the season. And obviously, so many games in the championship, you'd fancy him to, to get a chance at some point. It's it's just the case of when that chance comes, can he take it? And is it the right kind of environment for him to, to be able to flourish? So, yeah, I think there's there's still plenty of, of questions there. Um, could he long-term come in and, and be that kind of backup to Fabinho that Liverpool want? Possibly that could still be the case, but I think this season was was an important one for him. and It probably hasn't quite gone the way that he would have liked. And it, yeah, I think similarly for, for James Balagizzi, to be honest, probably frustration. Again, he was one that, that should have been in the uh, the senior pre-season group that, that went away in the summer, got injured just before. I think he broke his wrist or, or something, mm -hmm. so wasn't able to, to go and play again. It's been a slightly frustrating campaign for him. I know he's he's one that gets spoken about a lot. A lot of people who um, kind of watch a lot of academy football and, and you speak to, to people around Liverpool, they're always you know full of, of praise for for him and, and the way that he plays. And I can see why that is. He is very very good on the ball. He's one of those that um, someone compared him once to, to Yaya Torre almost, where he just keeps keeps hold of the ball and kind of just drags it forward up the pitch. Yeah. I think that's, I can kind of see what they meant by that. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's just not been, not been the, the kind of step forward yet that he would want. Um, I think probably at a crossroads is, is a fair, fair sort of assessment for him. I think for, for somebody of his talent, you, you always just want a, a little bit more from him on the pitch. And we've seen it 
in little bits, but there's been a few injury troubles. There's been a bit of inconsistency and it's just not quite happened yet. So still plenty of, of time. Um, similar almost in terms of, of the Musialovsky one, in terms of you look at the players around him, you look at someone like uh, Kate Gordon, who's come in and kind of been consistent straight away, who's slightly younger than him. It's a bit similar with with James Balaghese in that you look at, at Harvey Elliott and think, well, they're about the same age and, and Harvey's miles ahead. So is it going to happen for him? It, it still could because, you know, there's still time on his side, but mm. it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. Possibly there could be a loan, but it's one of those I'm just not quite sure, you know, what level that might be. I think we have to remember that the likes of Harvey going from the youth team into a team like Liverpool that are fighting for the Premier League and Champions League is very rare. I mean, even Trent Alexander-Arnold, and uh, he had to kind of work his way into the team. Curtis Jones has done the same. Harvey Elliott's trajectory has in some ways kind of skewed everybody else's. But you're right, that's how it works sometimes in youth football. And I think... We've got a lot of talented players who we're talking about who will probably go on to have great careers but may not necessarily be able to go straight into Liverpool. And that's okay. Now, before we sign off, I want to fulfil my duty and give some of you those little hipster nuggets so you can pretend like you knew all about them plenty before. So, Matt, who have you got in this category now? Yeah, so I've picked out three players from this. One of them is is kind of a newish signing that people will have heard about, but then maybe has, has dropped off their radar. The other two, I've kind of picked them on the basis that they've started to become regulars for the under-18s this season. And I think that's a pretty solid sign that they're going to be that for the next few months. So it's certainly you know a couple of players who you can watch out for really in, in 2022. So I'll start with those two, two midfielders, Tommy Pilling and James McConnell, who... I haven't seen loads of. Uh, I've seen more of, of Tommy than I have of, of James. Um, both sort of playing regularly, as I say, this season. They've kind of, after two or three games, there was a couple of injuries, a couple of opportunities came up for them to, to step up. I think they've been on the bench for, for the first two or three games, obviously training with the under-18s and and have started to, to get themselves into the team. So I think both of, of those names certainly... Um, one obviously more attacking than, than the other. James is slightly more versatile, can play in, in a couple of different roles, which might kind of play into to his hands. Uh, again, similar to, to Tyler Morton in that he can play two or three different roles within that midfield. I think that would be uh, would be an interesting one. But he's played slightly less, only played six games to date. Has played pretty well whenever I've seen him and obviously uh, very highly rated. But yeah, Tommy Pullin, the other one, played slightly more. Slightly more established, probably slightly ahead of, of the others. I think he's definitely one to, to watch out for in the under-18s. And uh, the other one uh, I mentioned in terms of, of a new-ish signing, Callum Scanlon, who came in from Birmingham City about a year or so ago. I think uh, he's one that I've heard a lot of good things about in terms of, of England youth levels coming through with, with England. He's been been one that has always kind of been picked out as as a possibility to, to go all the way and Liverpool paid about half a million for him uh, so they've obviously got a fair idea that he could be a, a decent player and, and he's a left back as well which um, obviously is uh, is an interesting one it's going to be hard to, to get in ahead of, of Robertson or Simicass anytime soon but yeah, initially started when he came in a year or so ago with the, the under-16s. I think he is still 16. Uh, I think he came in when he was, was 15. So I think he's still only 16, still very young, but has started to, to get into the under-18s team a lot more regularly for, for the last couple of months. Pretty much been playing 
can play slightly higher up the pitch as well. So again, another one of those that is a little bit more versatile. But I think certainly long term, a left back one to, to watch out for. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'd expect to, to be seeing a lot more of, of him for the under 18s as well, which will be really interesting to, to watch out for how he does. Now, I hope you were all writing those names down out there, just in case you weren't. That's Callum Scanlon, James McConnell and Tommy Pilling. There you go. Don't say I don't give you anything this Christmas time. Now, we've had loads of fun chatting about the futures of all these guys. And it's clear to see that we've got a really talented bunch. It's hard to predict anything in football. We don't know how 2022 is going to go. But I think it's fair to say that if we keep an eye on those lads, we're probably going to have a good time watching and what good time finding out, I think it's fair to say. Matt, thank you as ever for joining me. Thank you very much, mate. And we'll see you all next time. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.